everyone, and welcome to the Royals Rundown Podcast, presented by Royals Review. If you want to keep updated on all things Kansas City Royals, go visit RoyalsReview.com. If you want to keep the conversation going with us, you can do that as well. On Spotify, you can respond to our polls and question and answers on every single episode. But to be honest, guys, it's Sunday. We put out one on Wednesday and no one responded. How how dare y'all? We had some poll responses. Don't don't you worry, but no one responded to the Q&A. Jeremy, it doesn't count if you go and respond to it right now. I swear, if you are doing that, I'm not going to read your response. <laughs> Jeremy, no. What'd you do? What'd you do, Jeremy? I, uh, well, that, I mean, that depends on, I'm going to need more context before what, what I did you myself in that way. What did you just type? I, I just typed that my recording wasn't uploading and then I noticed that it was. So then I said, never mind. There we go. <laughs> the technical side of podcasting. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, yeah. we love it here. We love it welcome, here. Hey, welcome if, to the if, podcast, everybody. Yeah. yeah if, if y'all don't know, that's Jeremy Greco. <laughs> I usually start off with like, hey, Jeremy has a big beard and he likes anime and stuff like that. But those are Jeremy, two statements, two of them. Congratulations. You're yes, on a roll. And I can also say that you are not a dog. As your uh, as your not, T-shirt says, I am a service human. A service human for okay. my dog who has anxiety and needs needs a service human to to help her. If uh, if you could be any type of dog, what would you be? Oh, I mean, any type of dog is good, right? <laughs> um, Some are better than just, others. Being a dog is just good. It's just great. Yeah. I, why why would you want to be anything but a dog? Um, I'd want to be a beagle. I think. A beagle's good. Um, I've had a lot of beagle mixes in my life, so I'm I'm pretty fond of beagles. Or I've been around a lot of beagle mixes. I've only had one dog, okay. but family members had a lot of beagles, a lot of bull terriers, also. Ooh, which really? Are, they're they're a unique kind of dog, especially. And my grandpa was he was a breeder for show, so um, they they were they were very special bull terriers. Um, yeah, they got those like pointy it. noses, pointy pointy noses. I'm, we're we're fully off the rails right now. Just oh yeah, stuff. yeah no, we're we're two and a half minutes in, and we're we're talking <laughs> about dogs. It's uh, it's it's just how it's going this year. No, but everyone out there, honestly, today was well, not today, but since we talked on Wednesday, my mood has kind of shifted in regards to the Royals. Um, a series split with the best baseball team in the league will will do that. Actually, winning more than one game on the road trip will will do that. Um, and looking forward to a day off of baseball tomorrow will do that to you well, series at as home well. Challenge, yeah, no, uh, no doubt, no doubt. We are uh, we're here for that. No, if uh, if you've been living under a rock, I think the Royals shocked most of us when they not they won more than one game against the Tampa Bay Rays. They won two. I'm, too, but at this point, I'm shocked when they win a game against anyone. Oof! Hey, they, they won a game against the uh, against the Tigers. You know that that counts for something, right? Ooh! Ooh. Oh yeah! Oh, listen, 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 listen. But no, there's a there's some good stuff to talk about from today's game. Um, I am I am going to throw someone under the bus here, though. That yes, we, that that we had talked Beat about. Bomb. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know what to do anymore. You just derail us so fast sometimes. You know what else would derail us? 
Someone under the bus. <laughs> Run two wheels. And Nicholas Cage is at the helm. All right. I like it. I like Where's it. Where's Keanu Reeves at? I, I don't. Wait, He's hold the on. speed guy. Oh, I thought Nicholas Cage was speed guy. No. Keanu, have you not seen speed? <laughs> no. It's Keanu Reeves, Sandra Bullock. Come on, man. <laughs> I think it's yeah, got that, Nicholas Nolte is the villain, I think, but I'm I could absolutely be wrong about that. Please don't fact check me. I don't care. Now I have to search Nicholas Cage bus movies. <laughs> because I very much remember Bringing Out the Dead from 1999 is apparently mm, that's what, what I I I've seen many Nicholas Cage movies. <laughs> that is not one of them. <laughs> All right, listen, let, let, let's get back to the speed bump at, at hand. Taylor yes, Clark, yes. y'all, I got to I, I, I want to talk about him because we were all I think a lot of folks were like, hey, he could be a dark horse trade candidate. You know, he's doing so good this year. Da, 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 da. And his past week has been awful, like not just rough, but like bad. Like we need to, you know, his stats are looking like Mike Myers right before he got DF8 bad. Like. Seven games he's appeared in, so he's gotten steady work at 11.57 ERA, mm. 2.71 whip, mm. and walking five to only striking out eight with nine earned runs. That is not what you want from your uh, from your late inning setup, man, which that that's kind of what he was looking like. It was looking like, okay, if the Royals had to set up a, a trio of guys that can go at any night, it'd be Clark, Chapman, Barlow. That's kind of how it was looking. Now Clark is looking. I don't know. CCB. I might have. What'd you say? CCB. CCB. Yeah, I guess. CBC. I don't know. Barlow I don't know which closer, So you got to do CCB just like it was HDH. That's true. So, but I, I wanted to re- reflect. I H- like that's an actual HDH. Acronym. It's it's probably means some drug out there or something. And yes. we're probably we're probably going to get flagged in like, Utah or something. Great. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it here. But no, you have to just HTH rolls rolls off the tongue because it alternates. You flip it around and it still says the same thing. I don't know. CCB feels pretty good. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I look. I'm still on the train. If I had one inning that I wanted a Royals reliever to pitch to win a championship, it'd be Chapman over Barlow. I googled CCB and I got China Construction Bank. Ooh, okay. So now we're communists. Excellent. I love it. Outstanding. About time. <laughs> well, we're out, everyone. It's finally official. We're a front. I mean, We've- if you're a small baseball fan, I feel like you are absolutely communist because you want uh, revenue sharing across the league. Ooh. So your team can compete monetarily. Listen, Jeremy, we uh we we ruffled some feathers on the on the last episode. Let's uh let's not do that again here, shall we? <laughs> let's not make people question those sort of things about themselves. Um, but no, it was I only brought up Clark because like he he caught the loss today. That was his second all year and the second in the past week. So he is uh he's really been struggling. And honestly, the the Royals were very much in it with the Rays today. It was tied one to one going into the bottom of the seventh and then just giving up free bases to the Rays. They're going to take advantage of that. They scored two. And ultimately, that was the difference. Um, Jeremy, I, I go ahead. Go ahead. I want to hear it. 
You score one run, it ain't on the pitching. Well, yeah, true. True. I actually think Taylor Clark is still a viable trade candidate. You think so? Um, yeah, he's had he's had some bad outings, but he's had a bunch of good ones too. And true. When you're looking at relievers, I think you gotta take the entirety of their season. You can't just take small sample sizes like that and be like, nope, never mind, don't want him. Um and, and teams out there, here's the other thing. Teams are desperate for relievers. Playoff teams are always desperate for more relievers. Um, so you know, are you gonna get like a, a top 100 uh prospect for him? No. Yeah, but you could get something. Yeah, that's somebody true. will trade for him if you want to if you want to give him up, which the Royals probably should. Will they? I don't we'll know. We'll see. Exactly. But like his May was elite. Like I think that's what everyone's kind of hanging their their cap on. I mean, he had twelve and two thirds with a point seven one ERA across the entire month of May. Yeah. That is that is some elite stuff right there. And that's uh, I mean, and that's one reason it's hard to really look at ERA for relievers too much. You right, have a couple bad outings right. and your ERA goes up sky high. The ERA balloons. is not really meant to to work on the modern reliever. No, it's not. It's not. It's still a. I still think it's a good uh, good gauge, if you will. I mean, it gives you. It can give you a starting point. Yeah, but you don't. You don't want to stare at it and, and be like, "Yep, this is who he is now." Right. Like I like. I like to look at the the whip more than anything for a for a reliever. I think I that's like, a good one. Um, inherited runner scored, I think, is oh, a really good one. Okay, that's a good one. Um, and and uh, another great one that I like to look at, or a couple of them, but I use them in tandem, is uh, Fangraphs has the shutdown meltdown stats. Okay, and and you know if he's if all of the runs came from a couple of bad outings, then he's only going to have two meltdowns. Okay, and he's going to have a bunch of shutdowns, so that could tell you something too yeah and though in the end what you really see with most relievers is you know they have some shutdowns and they have some meltdowns so it's not yeah. always super helpful but it, it can be that's true that's a good point but no jeremy i'm we're, we're gonna go ahead and segue here to to the point you were talking about you know teams are very desperate for relievers and apparently they're also desperate for backup corner infielders in the form of the los angeles <laughs> angels trading for Mike Moustakis, I was not really prepared for that. They one didn't have bit. a third baseman with Rendon out. That's you, and you know what? That's that's true. That's on me for not following the the league a little bit more closer. But looking at kind of where the you know just between injuries and Moustakis actually doing pretty decent in a backup role. Oh, I mean, he's it, in Colorado. Hell yeah. Okay, you know what? That is an excellent point. That is an excellent point. You can any any runner or any hitter, excuse me, can do good in Colorado. It's well, and especially a guy who, you know, is a power hitter who might mm -hmm. not quite have the power that he used to, you know, that that extra um, uh, height, whatever you call that altitude altitude. That's that's a much better word for what I was trying to say. <laughs> uh, that extra altitude can can give your fly ball just that couple extra feet to go from uh, routine uh, to over the wall. That is true. That is true. And I'm, I'm looking at the league park factors right now, and I'm trying to find the dang, where are the freaking angels? Where did they go? 
where are the angels? Where you I know, know, I'm not sure baseball knows where the angels are. They're like they're in Los Angeles, they're in Anaheim, they're in California. You know what? I am so, I don't know why, but I get so frustrated when people say the the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I'm oh, like that's my favorite way to say it. I I cannot stand it, man. I really can't. They're the <laughs> Angels. Park Factor 101. Okay, Rockies, Park Factor 111. So yeah. there it's a it's a good it's a good little drop if if you will for uh for mr moustakis there but i'm i don't know i you know i do have to give mike some credit it looks like he's actually hitting better on the road than at home really 25 wrc plus away 74 at home oh wow so that's very I guess surprising he's not using colorado to his advantage no he's not how dare he how do why would you trade for someone like that who can't leverage Coors Field? How how dare he? How dare because he? Because you don't play in Coors Field. What? If you don't play in Coors Field, then you don't want a guy who leverages Coors Field, right? <sighs> All right. Listen here, you, you logic schmuck. <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, for the for some of the you know more full details, the Rockies received a. A minor league starter, Connor Van Skoik, I think is maybe how you say his name. S C O Y O C. Um, I I really do not know how to say that one. Don't ask me. Um, kind of a non, I wouldn't say a non prospect, but he's not like a top thirty or top fifty prospect in their system from anywhere that I could find. Um, he does have a two point seven six ERA with you know, a, a whip north of one across 11 starts. So he's, he's producing pretty good. He just might not be a, a top tier return, if you will. But all that to say, I think that anyone can be traded to any team for how minuscule the return might be. That's the, that's the real question, right, Jeremy? I suppose I, I'm just, would you rather trade for a guy who's not a prospect, but is performing well? Or guys who are prospects, considered prospects, but who aren't playing well, which is what the Royals got from the Yankees last year for Andrew Benintendi. Yeah, that's that's true. That's an excellent point. They, they kind I don't of think any low. of them are doing anything worth noting this year either. Well, a few a few of them are doing too bad. Beck Ways had some really good stretches. Um, TJ Sikama has has as well. Um, I definitely think that in that singular trade i'm going to focus on that then i'll give my full thoughts on it in that one the yankees didn't get a whole lot of out of ben attendee i think the royals at least got three arms that could be bullpen arms in in one to two years Mm, arms arms Mm, yum (laughs) (laughs) but no it's on a whole though i would rather buy low on a prospect right. than then be the team that gets sold too high on a prospect so, this is completely out of left field but how did you feel about the Mustakis for jorge lopez uh brett uh what the heck was his name the outfield phillips brett phillips how did you feel yeah. about that trade <sighs> i was context here um man i'm trying to dig back on that one i felt at that time i didn't feel like it was a a good return um i was still fairly you know uneducated on you know trades and what to actually expect and how those three kind of played together in a in a package 
looking back now, you know, Jorge Lopez is like, yeah, that what one dominant year in in Baltimore. And I don't know if he's uh, done a whole lot since to to be honest. And last I knew no hit innings against the twins that one year for the Royals. Yeah, that that he did that he did. So I I still think that um, what's it called? I think that the Royals did sell high on Moustakis in at that time because I remember after seeing Brett Phillips in Kansas City, he's such a lovable guy. I liked like I liked him as a person. He didn't really do a whole lot as a player, unfortunately. That's just a sad fact. And I think most MLB fan bases have really liked having Brett Phillips. It's just when the team needs someone to uh, to let go of, or you can let go of the guy that everyone likes, or the guy who's actually producing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was just I remember being really high on that trade because it was two former top 100 prospects. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a lot to get for Mike Moustakis. Of course, that disregards the fact that they were super close to the major leagues and the Royals were not ready for a couple of guys who were going to be super close to the major leagues, even if yeah. they had worked out for the team. But I don't know, just just things to think about, I guess. Yeah, no, that's that's true. And we got to. We will have to start, you know, nailing down a little bit more on the on the trade deadline coming up. There hasn't been a whole lot of chatter around the Royals, which is not, you know, something I'm really surprised about. Um, it's still I think this Chapman trade chatter has been going on all season behind the scenes. I don't think that's ever really ended and it won't end until the move actually comes. Um, did you see do you see Alex Duvall's list? of Royals trade assets. I missed that one. I've seen well, a lot of his tweets, but I missed yeah, that one. Yeah, no, no, that, that's fine. Can you guess who his top trade asset was? Bobby Witt Jr. Yep. That it was. Yeah, I did see him writing about the return that he thinks the Royals could get for Bobby Witt. And I'm not as opposed to trading Bobby Witt as... I think some people are, or as I was before he uh, became a big leaguer, he's been very good and he may yet turn into a superstar Mm -hmm. um, and, and make a trade of him look really stupid, but he hasn't yet. And there's no guarantee he will for the Royals. And if you can get someone to pay for him, like he might be a superstar, then you could walk away with three, four, maybe even five good prospects, which, The Royals need more than I mean, they need more than one superstar anyways. The the Angels have shown us having Mm -hmm. a superstar does not (laughs) win you a division. Uh, You need more than that. And so, you know, the Royals could probably use five really good guys as opposed to one superstar. Yeah, that's a good point. And I do. I will. I'll throw the Royals fan base under the bus. I think that a lot of people are kind of done. Why are we done with everyone over with the bus today? Do, would you rather train planes, sure. trains, and automobiles? Okay, I feel like um, it's faster. I mean, like, you're done. <laughs> did you? Did, you made the sound of like someone pulling out their sword in a in an anime. We could, we could, we could put them in a sub. <laughs> Jeremy, is it too soon? <laughs> yes, it's too soon. Oh, oh oops. my friend, my you friend, can, you can cut that. I, I won't though. I won't though. That's, that, that, that's not how I roll here. You, you know that. You know that. 
I'm about to get flamed so hard. <laughs> oh yes, you are. Yes, you are. Hey, while um while we let Jeremy cook a little bit on on some of the hatred flames, we're gonna take a quick ad break. We're gonna run through the rest of Royals Farm Reports um, top ten trade assets. Then we talk a little bit about Daniel Lynch and then a mock draft from Keith Law that Royals fans are not gonna like. Stay tuned. And we're back here on the Royals Rundown podcast. Jeremy is um, nice and nice and toasty over there, getting mm. getting a little crispy. I think uh, I think we put him on the broiler setting a little bit, maybe. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I, know, right? um, I don't do well in heat. <laughs> now, why do you live in the freaking South, my man? I moved to the mountains, okay. And I live in an apartment that has air conditioning, even though that's not a guarantee for this area. And I have a, I have a, a tower, I have a ceiling fan that runs at full blast 24 seven. And I have tower fans everywhere I sit or stand or sleep so that I can constantly have a fan on me. Okay. Okay. That's, that's how I do the South. Hey, fair enough. I, I hate to see your electric bill. I, I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> Listen, it's we worth have, it to be alive. <laughs> true, true. Hey, running, running through the rest of uh, Alex Duvall's top 10 trade assets real fast. Number two, Michael Garcia, not really uh, a surprise sure. there. What, would he get moved? I'd, I highly doubt it. Uh, it is a surprise to me because he's playing really well right now. Don't get me wrong. Right. And I've been high on him as a prospect, higher than a lot of other people. But a lot of other people are saying he's a utility man. He's not a okay. starter. He's a utility man. And he's still not shown like a ton of power. Right. I think right. they should be leading him off instead of Nick Prado. Um, I think he walks enough and he's got enough base hits. And he's also got speed, which is something yeah, we love to have at the top of the lineup. And he uses it well. He's been stealing mm-hmm. bases like crazy. That he, um, that he has. And Nick Prado, of course, has the strikeout issues, which are, I think, magnified by being at the top of the order. Yeah. So, I, you know, like I've, at this point, I kind of feel like I guess what I'm trying to say is Michael Garcia is more valuable to the Royals than he is to anybody else right now. And I would hang on to him. I don't I don't think his trade value is great. OK, well, it's I think that really hinges upon the fact if the Royals could sell him to someone as an everyday, you know, shortstop. Yeah, because we're I mean, not- that, that's that's a fair point, too. Yeah, <laughs> that's because, you know, his from his family members to actually seeing him in the minor leagues. Like he could slot as an everyday shortstop yeah, he, on he some was teams. Rated very well defensively in the minors there. That, that I, he was. And to me, I, what I think that means is Bobby Witt Jr. Should be the one to go. Michael can slide over to short. Hey, that's, that would be one way to do it. Truth be told. Um, number three, no surprise. The role is Chapman. Number four, mm. Scott Barlow. Number five, mm-hmm. Carlos Hernandez. Um, who okay. is that's I, I think that's he's a good been, one he's been decent this year and he's got the stuff that People he does always pay for stuff he certainly has the stuff number six Daniel Lynch I was kind of surprised to see him even even he's, included he's you know uh, as you know as desperate as teams are for relievers they're they're always also desperate for starters he's yeah got two good starts in a row after today Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I am still very concerned about the lack of strikeouts. I think yeah, that, yeah, that is no an doubt. issue that's going to come back and bite him in the butt real soon, but it hasn't yet. And maybe no. you could convince somebody else that it won't. I don't know. 
and that's let's see. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at his at his game log. He's had that you know that one game against Cincinnati where he gave up the the seven earned runs, which you know starters are going to have those fluke games. Outside of sure. that, he hasn't given up more than three earned runs. Mm, that's um, not bad. So I mean, if if a team and, would pay for him as like a steady four or five, I think that'd be. And I, I, I expect that he is on the list of pitchers. We um, it was the article, I think, that Alec Lewis and Rustin Dodd and Andy McCullough yeah. wrote last year where they said a lot of teams look at these Royals pitchers and say we could fix him. Mm-hmm. I suspect Daniel Lynch is on that list for a lot of yeah. teams. He's he's got good enough stuff to get the strikeouts. We've seen him get the strikeouts in the past. He's just not getting them right now. And I think another team thinks that they could probably figure out how to keep what he's doing right now, but also add the strikeouts back in. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I I don't know why, but I think the reason why I've like diminished the strikeout concern in my mind is because it seems like he has a completely different approach mm-hmm. to the mound, like mm-hmm. very much more control the zone oriented mm-hmm. and with, you know, not an overpowering fastball, but he has good control of it. And, and there are guys absolutely who can succeed that way. Um, Jamie Moyer comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, was not a strikeout guy, especially late in his career. Um, just, you know, induced weak contact on a regular basis. Chris Young as uh, a guy who should be familiar to Royals fans who for a few years there found a way with, with <laughs> just stuff that just wasn't even there yeah. to, to get a lot of pop-ups uh, and, and get guys out. But he, he, even he still got a handful of strikeouts. True. Um, so I just, I, I, when you're allowing that much contact, I feel like you're, you're putting yourself in danger, especially if you go somewhere where the defense is not as young and as fast, even though the Royals defense isn't good. (laughs) I don't know. I just, I feel like you're, you're asking for trouble. Uh, if you're not going to get more strikeouts, but I've been wrong before. Well, no. And it's, it is concerning. He's, Let's see. He had he had a good amount of strikeouts in his first two starts back. Really good mm-hmm. stuff. Six and seven, respectively. Um, but on the year, he only has 24 strikeouts across 36 and a third, which is not great. I think no. I think that um, might be the not, worst in the league if it qualified. Might it, it might be. I'm sure I'm sure there's some of these soft tossers out there who are who are worse than him, though, to be honest um him him limited in walks probably has diminished the damage of him and that'll help too Uh, really the important thing the biggest thing is strikeout to walk ratio right If if you're not walking anybody you don't have to strike out as many to survive because even when they do get their hits they're not there's nobody who got a free pass on base to score exactly um but i i would still I would still rather see more strikeouts, but yeah, it, yeah you know, it is what it is, I guess. Just, just to your point, his uh, his ratio would work out to 2.4 to 1. Yeah, right that's, now. that's a good ratio. I would take yeah. that most of yeah. the time. And after his start today against Tampa Bay Rays, he did go six innings, one one run ball. He is tied for the team lead in quality starts in 2023, despite not making his season debut until May what, of like May 28th. He has, he has three. He has three okay. quality starts. He's tied with, uh, with Brady Singer. And don't worry, man. Jordan Lyles is second on the team with two. All right. <laughs> it's crazy to think of. Uh, let's go ahead and finish up this list real fast. Number yes. seven, Salvador Perez. Uh, Interesting. Number, 
Yeah. Number eight, Nikki Lopez, probably another one that would I'd, I'd probably switch up those two. Mm. Uh, no, you don't think so? No, I don't think Nikki Lopez has any trade value. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> they were listen, man. I was listening to the game today on the radio and kudos to Jake Eisenberg. He was sell like he was selling Nikki Lopez stocks. Like if, I, if, Nikki Lopez has a role on a big league roster. That he does. That is not it's not he's not the guy you trade for. <laughs> At the deadline he's not like that's the guy that finishes our roster and takes us all the way no 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 he's not though no. he's the guy that you sign in the offseason you give him a minor league deal and you're like all right you're the backup infielder congratulations have Fair. a couple mil <laughs> uh number nine edward olivares sure kind of, if you could sell I anyone actually would put him above nikki but yeah, I, I could see that. He's got a very good power bat if someone really wants a designated hitter. Yeah. Um, and number 10 was kind of surprising, but you have you have to put someone at 10. Alec Marsh, the, the minor league pitcher. I, from what I understand, he's having a good year at AAA. He is. Kind of bouncing back. So, yeah, he had a he had a very rough start to the season in double A, but he has been putting together some good stuff since then. I He's one of those guys I expect him to make his debut in August or September, somewhere in yeah. that time frame. But that is some months down the line. Um, all right, let's go ahead and keep it rolling month. here. What did you say? Or at least one month. Yeah, at least one month. We're almost to July. We are. We are. And speaking of July, in July is the 2023 MLB draft on July 9th, um, kicking off this like they reshaped the all-star week. So it's like a, it's literally a week of events. The drafts in there. Now the home run derby, of course, is there the game and some other events sprinkled in. I really um, want Salvi to be in the derby again. I I do as well. I don't know if he, I don't know if he will get it. I I haven't looked at the overall like home run numbers. He's, I mean, he's not that far from the lead and a lot of guys just won't do it because they're afraid it'll mess up their swings. Yeah. So that's a good point. I mean, uh, he when he went last time, he was not he was not top four, top five, even in home runs. OK, <laughs> uh, but yeah, if he's if he's not selected as like a reserve or something like that for the for the AL team, just just get him there. Get him to the home run derby. What's the what's the worst that can happen? Um. All right. Get so hit by pitch and be out for the rest of the year. Uh, Jeremy. Jeremy, I'm going to need you to take that back. I'm not going to look at you until you take it back. If if a guy gets hit by a pitch in the home run derby and it causes an injury <laughs> that he's out for the rest of the year, there was an issue beyond being hit by a home run derby pitch. Br brittle bones. <laughs> need some more calcium. Oh, oh, no. You brought the bone density back. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Were you here for bone density? Yes. Yes, okay. I was gosh bone density we are we're gonna keep that in the little box in the back of our brains where it needs to stay okay sound good jeremy all right all right but talking more about the draft here um the athletics keith law who has you know as long as i've been trying to follow baseball a little bit closer keith law has been one of those names wherever he's at um, he released his mock draft 2.0 and a lot of his updates, like he says, are cited with what he's hearing around the league from his sources and things like that. And I saw who we had linked going to Kansas City. I was extremely, extremely disappointed. Um, he selected a high school catcher, Blake Mitchell, 
No, from, thank you. Yeah, from Texas. I'm good. Thanks. Yep. Um, and it is he only had two sentences on the write up, but he made sure to say, and I quote, he has heard this one a ton recently. No, thank you. Yeah, I I am a I'm a hard pass. If it if it makes you feel any better, this uh, this high school catcher has a really good three pitch mix. No, thank you. <laughs> what, what about his pop time? One point eight six pop time. No, thank you. Man, I, I'm but, really bases to... are stolen on pitchers. Come on, we all know this. Yeah. Rex even knows it. He, he'll he'll go he'll one sentence he'll be like Salvi throws out everybody, and the next sentence he'll be like stealing bases is on the pitcher. Like, come on. Listen, Rex may not know what his planets are or who his daddy is, but he knows who to blame or, for stolen bases or who's a good person. Jeremy, you're towing a line. <laughs> Towing a line. I am nothing if not a boundary pusher. I am a noted <laughs> non-overreactor, but I'm also a boundary pusher. That you are. That you are. Um, just to listen, Law only had like a two little sentence write-up on this guy. Um, Blake Mitchell, he's MLB Pipeline's 13th best prospect in this draft. So at least I guess it wouldn't be a terrible reach. But I mean, golly, like how how underwhelming would that be? It's we we already have all these catchers. It seems it's not that it's underwhelming and you can you can move a guy by the time he's ready to play in the big league. Salvi's probably ready to move to DH or first base or maybe retire. Um. But uh, it's not that it's over- underwhelming. It's just that I do not, under any circumstances, trust the Royals to develop a high school player at this point. Um, I'm not sure I trust them to to develop a college player. Mm. But a college hitter is about the only thing I think they have a shot at properly developing. Um, so that's where I would like to see them go. Anything that is not a college hitter, I'm going to be disappointed and frustrated. Yeah, of course, that's I, been I, true totally since agree. at least 2018. <laughs> and uh, and here we are. What I think they've only had one college hitter in that uh, in that span. Gavin Cross last Did, year was. I thought he was high school for some reason. Yeah, no, so one. Yeah, dang, that's that's pretty bad. Again, how's Cross doing again? Honestly. So I'll let, let me pull up his stats. He started off really rough this year. I, I ain't going to lie to you, but he had a really good run. Um, Let's see here. Let's go and pull him up. He's currently so currently in high A that 22 years old, 745 OPS, 10 home runs, 43 RBIs in 250 at bats. The, the strikeouts are still a very, very, very real problem. Mm. Um. 33 walks to 90 strikeouts. Yeah, that is uh that is tough. That is tough. Um, but yeah, I mean, even coming out of the Virginia Tech last year, like he was very much considered, hey, the hit tools there, you just have to polish it a little bit more. And even the Royals haven't been able to polish that yet. Yeah. So that is uh that is frustrating to say the How least. old is he? He is 22 years old. There's still time. Yeah, there there is. There's still time. Um, but I kind of I'm with you on the just go with a college bat. 
or a college arm or something like that. I will say that at the very end of arms have worked out so well for them. (sighs) All right. Yeah, you're right. But, but I don't know. I can at least, I can at least sell myself on like a, like a Rhett loader or a, or a chase Dolander. Sure. You want to get Rhett, Rhett loader, Rhett louder, however you say his name. Yeah, Yeah, sure. Let's let's, he barely needs development by my understanding. Yeah, that's listen, what's he, the LSU guy. They want to draft him. That's fine. <laughs> but I will say loader is very much in play, at least according to rankings. Like, really? he's the, yeah, he's the eighth ranked prospect in this draft. Well, if he's available and the Royals don't take him, I'm I'm t- I, I, take him. Forget the college bat. Take him. <laughs> I, I very much agree, man. I really do. I know a lot of folks aren't sold on him, but after that World Series outing, I am I'm very much in on him. That was a classic game in Omaha between um, Wake Forest and the LSU Tigers. But going back to what Law was saying in his write up, he did note that he's heard some other players linked to the Kansas City Royals, and it'll probably make you feel a little bit better. Um, He was linked to shortstops Jacob Wilson and Jacob Gonzalez. So Jacob might be coming to Kansas City, baby. Let's go. They're going to draft you. I just I see it coming right now. I am I am all here for it. I am here. You for better it. be ready with your phone. Have your phone on you. Have the ringer turned on. Be ready to go. Hello, JJ. Oh, no, it's, it's not JJ. <laughs> Hi, JJ. I decline. Do not draft me. <laughs> Goodbye. I will not sign for any money. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's there's going to be some more some more rumors flying we're at that point of the off season where there's there's a canyon between the royals and any playoff contending team at this point is is it only a canyon i i thought it might be you know like a galaxy well they are they are far far away at least a galactic arm oh my gosh yeah no no i i like a galaxy i think that's a in in perspective yes it's they're about a galaxy away man it's a uh, it's tough right now but thankfully they do end the road trip with uh with three wins out of seven so i mean that's that's something it kind of feels sad to hear like that's sure the, is something yeah that like woohoo that's the road trip that we have to hang our hat on they, they went three and four hell yeah i love it <laughs> You know what else came out of this road trip that I can't stop thinking about? What's that? Zach Granke, the interview that he gave. Yeah. Let's talk about that. I'm starting to wonder if he's going to finish the season. Yeah. Zach Granke is one of those guys I could absolutely see being like, you know what? This isn't working. I'm going to go home now. Goodbye. Um. so you know look out for that i guess yeah it's and go go find it on valley sports it was so for me zach grenke's always been like a body language kind of guy like even even when he doesn't say a whole lot you can tell like he's you know focused in this was like head hung down low like running his hand through his hair like he was very (sighs) unsettled by his start against the Rays. And I mean, even what he was saying, he was just like, you know, I don't have this stuff anymore. Yeah. Um, I, 
it, that is it's concerning to me because I'm, I feel like Zach Greinke is the kind of guy who's like, if I don't have the stuff anymore, then what am I doing? Right. That's that's a good point. And you and know he's what? Trying it, to make it work without it, and it is not happening. It's not. It's it's really not. And it is it is disab- I didn't think that we would see the decline of Zach Greinke. I thought we would get, you know, one more mediocre yeah, season I, out of him. But this I think is, I just assumed yeah. that even with the stuff gone, he was too smart of a pitcher to just fall off a cliff like he has. Yeah. Uh, but it turns out, nope. Father Time is still undefeated unfortunately so it is uh it's sad we'll we'll keep you we'll keep you up to date on anything in regards to zach granke i'm sure once the team comes back to kansas city that might actually be a um a little bit more of a poignant topic if if you will like is is this next start going to be the last we see of zach granke or if it if at least he doesn't turn it around quick could he be a guy who uh steps away before the season ends uh, the 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 where i would like to keep an eye out is the all-star break mm-hmm. you take a few days off and you think and you're like do i really want to go back for the remainder of the season <laughs> do i want to stay home with my family that's true that's true well hey jeremy i'm gonna cut you off early because we do have i know shocking right uh we are gonna Rude. have brian Brian Henry is coming on to join the podcast, talk about some advanced statistics with us. We're going to take a, a quick break and we will be right back. And welcome back to the Royals Rundown podcast. We're joined by Brian Henry, another writer over at Royals Review, going to be talking about some swing decisions today. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Do it, do an A-OK. Um, Jeremy and I are just sweltering in the in the southern heat as it is, or Jeremy's freezing in his apartment igloo as he uh, as he described to us earlier on. Uh, Brian, how's the weather back in the Midwest? Uh, I keep blankets over by the, the guest chairs because everyone comes in here and says it's too cold. So, <laughs> yeah, Kansas is plenty warm. Don't don't you worry. It's OK. About 100 yesterday. So ah. <laughs> I am. Uh, you, you can keep that over there, Brian. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> you, you can keep that there. Well, hey. Let's uh let's go ahead. Let's not delay at all because I do know that. So a lot of the fan criticism as of late has been, you know, folks or not folks, players looking overwhelmed at the plate and kind of looking like they're still in their rookie season, which some of these players are. But you don't expect some of the big name players like Bobby Witt or Nick Prado. You don't expect them to struggle at the plate. Brian, why don't you go ahead and just get the ball rolling? What is what is this discipline? What is this, man? <laughs> well, the nice thing with it is the math is super duper simple, right? I mean, we're really literally just talking about a percentage. How often do you swing in a pitch? <laughs> um, and then we break that up into how do you often do you swing in a pitch in the zone or out of the zone? And but it's it's all basic math, you know, fourth grade. We all learn how to divide or, or somewhere around there. So um, the nice thing is then we can get into some depth with that. So um, what I wrote about this week um, kind of built off of uh, an article from Eno Saris that he wrote in May of last year for the Athletic, and he went 
through some stuff that um, Tango was doing, looking at, at historic people swinging at pitches. And what he found is basically for every baseball player, almost every baseball player, there's some exceptions, but almost every baseball player, each swing on average is worth negative runs. Um, hmm. So there are very few players in history that when they swing on average, the average swing is good because most can, of the things that can happen when you swing are bad. <laughs> uh, did you have some, Jeremy? I was just going to ask if you could, if you could give us a little background, why swinging is bad, but yeah, I think you yeah. just did basically when yeah. you swing, bad things happen. When you swing, what can happen? You can get a strike. You can foul a ball off, which is also usually a strike. Um, if you hit the ball in play, 70% of the time you get out. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, so the, it's just most of the things that can happen when you swing are bad. Um, 30% of the time you're going to get a hit when you put it in play and then home runs are the only time that you're guaranteed to be fine. Um, and those are rare. So when you do a weighted average of all your swings, it's just that most of those swings are something bad happened. Um, whereas when you don't swing, very few bad things can happen. <laughs> uh, a ball is fine. Um, a strike's not good, but it's better than grinding into a double play, right? Um, um, taking a strike, a third strike is the worst, you know, worst thing you can do um, when when you're taking a pitch, basically. Oh, don't so, don't worry. The, the Royals do that plenty. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I know. We're going to get to Prado in a minute. Oh, boy. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so, is it safe to say that the odds are higher that if you don't swing, you're going to get a ball, which is a positive result, than you are to get a positive result from a swing? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Uh, hmm. uh, so, so it's just one of those things. Like when you swing, you should be very picky about where you swing because it's generally not going to help you unless you pick the right times. And so, there are players like Barry Bonds. His swings are positive when he swings the bat. I bet. When you can hit 70 home runs a year, you're a little different than everybody else. And there are some other players like that. Ted Williams was a positive swing guy. But for the most part, for the vast majority of players, I mean, anybody not in the Hall of Fame, especially when you're swinging, it's it's on average bad. So when we talk about swing rate, we want pretty low swing rates, generally speaking, because the players that are more selective are going to hit the ball um, or take less bad swings and hit the ball better when they, when they actually do swing. Um, that's, that's the idea um, with some exceptions and we can get to that as well. So I was looking at all the players from all the Royals players who played um, uh, at least 50 at bats last year and this year and then focusing on the younger guys and kind of looking at their swing rates because uh, that's really where where uh, you'd kind of be hoping, hey, are they swinging more or less often this year? Um, and three guys that I kind of highlighted because they're doing things very differently um, were Bobby Witt and um, Nick Prado and uh, uh, MJ Melendez. There. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> three great choices there, Brian. Yeah, I, I can't think of anyone more worth talking about, honestly. Yeah, and they're all very important if we want the Royals to actually turn into a decent team at some point, right? They're all yep. young and, and controlled and and, sh- and we're all high-level prospects, at least at one point. So Bobby Witt, we'll start with, he's swinging basically the exact same rate as last year. Oh, um, boy. So last year he swung at 51.8% of pitches. 
This year he's swinging at 51.9% of pitch. I mean, almost exactly. But Goodness. it's not bad, uh, or not as bad as that, really. Um, it, on the bright side, his outside the zone swings have actually decreased. So he's swinging at a couple percent less of this okay. uh, ball, uh, balls, and he's swinging at 3% more strikes. So it is at hmm. least uh, the swings he's taking are better, if that makes sense. Um it's not ideal. I'd still like to see him swing at less pitches. Uh, and recently he has been. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of looked at all of these guys also on a rolling average basis. So if I take 10 game rolling averages of swing rates early in the year, he has, his 10 game averages were getting up into the mid fifties. Uh, he got as high as 58%, um, which is starting Dang. to get to Salvador Perez territory. Um, <laughs> who is, <laughs> who is the ultimate free swinger. Um, yep. Uh, but the last, the last like couple weeks it's dropped and dropped and dropped. And now he's been back down in the mid forties. Okay. Uh, so that's it, good. It has been a little better and his results have been better. He's been walking more. Um, he's been getting hits basically every game. He's been getting at least one. Um, I haven't looked how long his streak is right now. Maybe I, I think if I, if I was remembering correctly, I think he has like seven walks in the last 11 games or something yeah. like that. Like night, yep. night and day compared to what he was earlier on this year. But please go ahead. Brian. Yeah. And three of them were in one game, which that's true. Yeah. <laughs> was weird. And then, um, but even like today, like he didn't walk today, but there was like an at bat where he, got up three one and then got a single like he's been ahead and counts more he has it, it felt like early in the year he was down oh two the entire game like he just came up to the plate and it was automatically oh two and then we had to go from there and it hasn't felt like that recently so i'm i'm encouraged that he's at least making better decisions he hasn't been swinging at those fastballs up as much he's been laying off those sliders away that that got him a lot last year so um so that's kind of what he looks like um Got a quick question for you. Sure. Is there an ideal range for players in general to, to strive for when it comes to swing rate? Or do you kind of have to take it on a case to, by case basis? I, I don't know that there is. Um, I, it, all the masses, the less and less swings, the better. Like, okay. even if you even if you reduce your swing rate in zone, it tends to be better for almost everybody. Um, Unless again, you're one of those handful of people who are just elite, 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 who have no holes in their swing. Right. Um, It's just trying to pick the best pitches possible. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody who has too low of a swing rate, although maybe Prado at times. And so that's why I had to Yeah. Let's talk about that guy. Yeah, he's an interesting one because he does swing very little, uh, at least relatively speaking. Um, last year, he swung at 45.5% of pitches. This year, he's below, slightly below 40%. So he actually does swing a lot less than Bobby. Um, not an absurdly low swing rate, but like uh, a much lower than average swing rate. And this year, he's swinging less at both pitches out of the zone and in the in and in the zone by a seven percent six percent less than last year. So it's both types of pitches that he's swinging less at. Um, the problem with his end zone not swinging is at least recently it's felt like he struck out a lot on just watching the fastball go straight through the strike zone, yeah. which is why I was kind of looking at his and and that I don't remember how many times exactly that's happened, but it's been he's had more 
strikeouts looking than almost any player in the majors this year. Wow. Uh, he might be number one now. Uh, I'd have to go update that again. But that's terrible. Uh, yeah, and they're usually fastballs. Like, they're usually – it feels to me like, at least when I've been watching, and I don't know enough to, to prove this, but it looks like he he's guessing breaking pitch, and then it comes in on him, and he assumes it's going to break into the into, – into the inside part and mm-hmm. get him a ball and it just doesn't, it's a fastball. It goes straight, straight through. And he just, it goes, Oh, well, I guess I should have swung at that, but it's too late, you know? Yeah. So he, he's just getting frozen with the, with the fastball yeah. against these, uh, against these major league pitchers that, that is, uh, that is interesting, especially with, you know, everyone lauded his uh, plate discipline at the, at the minor league level. But you know, when you have so many erratic minor league players, you can just, sit back and let them pitch to you in a sense. And I'll give him credit when he came up in May for the month of May, he actually had a 29% strikeout rate, which is for him pretty good. And he was looking a lot better. It's just these last three weeks, he's been striking out a bunch. Um, It's way back up into the mid thirties. Has has there been a change in his swing rate over that time that you've noticed? Yeah, that's what that definitely. Uh, Yeah. So his uh, swing rate's actually gone down. (laughs) In that time. Wow. And that's the weird part is he went from, he was swinging it uh, in May, somewhere in the low 40s. And now the last, like his rolling averages over the last two weeks have been in the like the 32 to 37% range. And so he's been swinging less and striking out more, which is really unusual. And like I said, it's, it's normally good not to swing, but if you don't swing at strike three, that's, <laughs> that's the one you really can't hold. so you do have to change your your approach on on two strike count yeah um, maybe if you isolate his swing rates on um uh two strike counts versus non two strike counts maybe we can tease something out of there i don't know um but but yeah his is really weird his is not behaving the way you would expect um huh. so you can be more selective and have it be bad i guess if you're selecting poorly okay um, so, so what's the what's the so we, we talked about Bobby Witt, we talked about Nick Nick Prado and like you know the optics with both of them. I am very, very curious about MJ Melendez though. What do you have on him? Yeah, he's the one I wrote about this week. Um he does not look like he did last year. I don't think anybody watching him thinks he looks like he did last year. Uh he has bats that look good. When he puts the bat on the ball, he tends to hit it pretty hard, which is nice. Um, but he is swinging a lot more, um, and he's swinging a lot more at balls out of the zone, not in the zone, uh, which is not great. So, uh, last year he swung at 44.6% of pitches this year, 47.4. So he's swinging about 3% more and Hmm. almost all of those are out of the zone, uh, higher out of zone swing rate and about a 0.8% increase in end zone swing rate. So he's swinging at a lot of balls, um, which I don't know what that would, I, why would you do that? Especially for a guy who's been locked <laughs> for, he's all the way through the minors. And even last year has been a pretty patient hitter has walked quite a bit. Seems like he had a pretty good control, could, pretty good control of the zone. And then all of a sudden he just doesn't look like it right now. Um, and so that's why I, I wrote about him. Cause I, I think he might need to go back to the minors because he might be guessing a bit <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. or, or not seeing the ball or lost confidence and is trying to swing his way out of a slump. I don't know 
I don't know what it is um, exactly, but he's not making good decisions on his swings at all. Um, and when you're swinging more at everything and it's not working and your strikeout rate jumps way up, because that's that's the thing with him is his walk rate's gone down, his strike rate's gone, strikeout rate's gone up, and the results aren't there. The power's not as good. I mean, it, everything really is is worse than it was last year as a rookie. So, um, you know, you'd really like to see him kind of figure it out. And some people push back and say, well, what's he going to learn at Triple A? He's already dominated Triple A. And sometimes it's like, well, yeah, sometimes these guys just need to go back and dominate some Triple A and feel good again. I mean, true. I, I don't think there's any problem with with him going and dominating Triple A. I'd like to see that. And then maybe when he comes back, he'll he'll, he'll be back in that groove that he had there because he mm-hmm. obviously isn't doing it at the major league level. Um, Which, by so, by the way, everyone who is sorry, Brian, would, yeah. for everyone listening out there, we will link Brian's article. Um, it's titled Swing Decisions and Sending Players Back to the Miners, which is what we're talking about. Uh, we'll link it down in the podcast description so you can go check that out. A very good read. Um, Jeremy, b- before Brian continues, which out of those three are kind of like concerning you the most just on the plate discipline metric? I, you know, they all three kind of concern me uh, just because of how Brian's described them. Uh, you know, Bobby Witt is probably swinging a little too much. And it's he's I, you said he was bringing it back down, though, right? Yeah, he's looked better the last two, three weeks. Like a lot So so maybe I'm not as concerned about him because it seems like he's making that adjustment, but it sounds like Nick Prado is making an adjustment in the wrong direction where he was swinging and now he's not swinging. Um, and, uh, I, you, you talked about maybe he's guessing. I have to wonder if he's scared uh, a little bit of, of making a wrong swing. Um, and then I, I'm just not a huge MJ Melendez fan to begin with. I feel like I've, I've said this before. I feel like his swing is really long. Um, and so if he's swinging at pitches outside the zone, that's certainly not going to help. Um, he, he needed those walks to, to kind of boost that. So long term i'm probably most concerned about mj melendez but they definitely need to figure out how to help nick prado uh either fix his pick selection or fix his confidence so that he's swinging at pitches that he needs to yeah i'm with you on melendez i his swing is longer it reminds me where i just remember watching hosmer getting those funks where he yeah couldn't, couldn't do anything because his timing was off and Melendez has kind of a longer swing from the left-hand side like that, and it just feels similar. He doesn't roll the ball over to second base 400 times in a row, so he doesn't do that because his, his uh, ground ball rate isn't so extreme, but but he does kind of have a similar-looking kind of long-levered swing, which his power and plate discipline should help with, but isn't okay. right now because he's not hitting the ball out of the park and he's not walking enough, so... Um, that's why, that's why I would say it's time to get him back in the minors just for a little bit. See if he can yeah. give him some really specific things to focus on. Here's what we're looking for you to do. Here's your weak spots that we want to avoid. Cause that's, that's where like, once you get into the swing decisions, these, these teams have enough data they should be talking about on with no strikes. You should only be swinging at pitches in these areas. Right. And um, I talked about that in an article a little bit too with Bobby, where you're like, even if it's a strike, he shouldn't be swinging at things up in the zone. He just doesn't hit it well at the top of the zone. Um, and so you need to lay off those pitches and wait for something you can hit. Okay. Um, okay. That so, makes a lot of sense to me. 
Yeah. So Melendez is the guy. I, and Prado, if he keeps striking out like he is right now, is probably going to have problems too. But um, I mean, I, I really doubt they would send him back down, though, with the Pasquantino injury. They're probably like, they probably have to keep him at this point. Yeah, you know? the numbers have been too good overall since he came back to probably send it down yet. But yeah, uh, yeah, without Pasquantino, I don't know what your op- other option is at first, unless you're going to Matt Duffy. Yeah, Nikki Lopez. Um, <laughs> Did you? I don't know if you were paying attention to the to the cor- to whether there's correlation or causation, or they're just completely unrelated. Um, but when when uh, Prado moved to the leadoff spot, is is that about when he stopped swinging? Do you know? I don't know. That's interesting. I, I that might be I, worth looking at. I'm because I've been really concerned about him as a leadoff hitter. I feel like that puts him in a position where you're asking him to to watch more pitches, and I yeah. worry that that might he's now watching too many pitches, um, yeah. and he, they might be better served to move him lower in the lineup. And a guy whose value is power based, he doesn't seem like he's driving the ball. You know, a lot. I, I know he had a home run, a leadoff home run the other night, but like for the most part, he hasn't been uh, doing that from the leadoff spot. So if, if he's changed his approach and it's yeah it's not ideal <laughs> we, don't, yeah, his, we don't want him to give power away he strikes out too much he needs the power to, to balance that out a little bit because even when his strike hour was low is 29 that's not low that's low for him okay. uh, that's way higher than an average major leaguer so he's got to be hitting what 25 homers a year or something at least to make up for for that much swing and miss, I would think. So I I can't tell you how much it is, but I do I do know that his average exit velocity dropped like a good significant amount since he moved to the leadoff spot. Yeah. So there might be, you know what? Maybe this is it, it might be bad coaching. I'm not saying it is. Maybe he's getting told to change his approach since he's in the leadoff spot, or it could just be mental. Maybe he's putting some more pressure on himself than there actually needs to be. Uh, I, I do want to circle back to, over to MJ Melendez because I do feel like you, you brought up Eric Hosmer, but I remember even during Eric Hosmer's rough stretches, he always stayed up in Kansas city. And that was, you know, for the good and the bad of it. But now, now I'm curious, you know what, maybe MJ could benefit like Mike Moustakis did, you know, after being a good, you know, getting some good starts under you, you start struggling, you go back down triple A, get some confidence. We saw what that did for Moose. I think Gordon's a similar one too, where yeah. when he would switch into the outfield, they put him back in the minors for a little while, let him get comfortable there. So I uh, got that with MJ Melendez trying to become an outfielder too. That would be a good reason to say, Hey, the swing's a little bit off and we want him to, to work on some specific outfielding. Like, I don't think it's a, it, especially in the year where what are we playing for? Uh, you know, you're not, you don't need him in the lineup every day. The season's pretty much already gone. So um, go let him go somewhere where the spotlight's not on him or people like us yeah. won't talk about him. Um, if he's struggling, <laughs> um, you know, and, and he can maybe, maybe get, like I said, you get some confidence, get used to the outfield in a, in a little lower pressure situation where the, the misses don't feel so bad. Cause that, that man, that early, I don't remember which night that was, but that was, uh, that was brutal. <laughs> yeah. He's there's been, there's been too many to think of a specific yeah. one as of late. Is that the first game in Tampa Bay? I, it was, I, I couldn't yeah, even tell you, man. There's been a few of those where you're just like, it, it, with Olivares, you're like, well, I, I've kind of given up on him being a, a good outfielder, but Melendez has done enough things where I'm like, I think he could handle the position. 
But man, when he makes a mistake at the big league level, it feels real bad. It does. Uh, it does. And, and, and I think at AAA, you can kind of work around that a little bit. Um, so anyway, I think, yeah, Gordon, Gordon and Moose did both did that and kind of came back um, and did pretty well. Yeah. Um, so, and, and you know what? Last year, right? Yeah. I mean, That's they true. said, hey, we're going to put you in the bullpen. And he didn't like that, which, you know, I don't know who would. But then they, they said, hey, we need to stretch you out. So they put him back in the minors. He comes back and he looked like a different pitcher. Sometimes just telling the guy, hey, we're not happy with you. You got to change or you're not going to play. I don't think that's a bad message to send. Well, and to go back to, to to go back to what you were saying about Eric Hosmer, how he never went down. Or actually, I guess Jacob was the one who said that. You know, Eric Hosmer then went on with his career and kept hitting ground balls and saying, well, I'm not going to change my swing. It's worked for me this far. Maybe if somebody told him this is not actually working for you, fix it. Uh, earlier in his career, he, he might have had a change. Uh, you I, know, maybe not, because it turns out that he, he did eventually within the last couple of years think, you know what, maybe I should stop hitting so many ground balls. And he just couldn't. Yeah, it was too late. Oh, but he did get paid a hundred plus million dollars. So for him, it <laughs> was okay. um, I don't think Melendez is getting that contract. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't know. So heck, um, no, I, I certainly hope not. Yeah, if you win it, if you win a, if you win a World Series and in that year put up almost three WAR right before your your free agency, it helps. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think Melendez is going to quite get that that kind of situation. <laughs> so. Um, Anyway, <laughs> this is so I, I will say how they handle the MJ Melendez situation. Let's say let's say his struggles continue on this decline over the next two weeks, you know, heading into the all star break. What what do they want to do? Do they want to shut him down at the major league level and just let him go and work? Maybe so. But all that to say, I think that would be a good gauge on what Royals fans could expect from J.J. Piccolo being at the lead because we all know that Dayton Moore was, he was a believer in people and players so much to a fault. You know, he maybe, maybe he just had so much faith in Eric Hosmer that he, he kept him in at the major league level. Um, I am, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if J.J. sends, or excuse me, if the Royals send MJ back down, but I think that would be a little bit more uh, transactional in a in a sense, Jeremy. I, I feel like I made your your head hurt a little bit there. No, I I think that makes sense. the The big thing I'm looking out for is when is Kyle Isbell ready? Because um, he's going to need a roster spot, and 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 everyone's going, well, how are you going to get him back on the roster? What are you going to do? One easy way to do it would be to go ahead and demote MJ Melendez and say, all right, go work on your swing. Kyle's going to hang out up here for a while, see what happens. Well, it'd be nice to have another center fielder anyway. So, uh, <laughs> right. yeah, doing that. That so, is true. Yeah, yeah it, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the second half just because nothing's worked great. And so it's time to start figuring out who who's, you know, going to stick and who's not. Um, yeah. They, they have all the playing time in the world and that's what they should be using. That's, that's the, the carrot and the stick in a lot of ways right now for the Royals. So um, sad, but true, man, sad, but true. 
Well, hey, Brian, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for for joining us tonight. We really do appreciate it. Again, for all of you listening out there, the article that Brian was referencing, you can you can read it. Don't worry, you can read it on RoyalsReview.com and it will be listed down here in the podcast description. Brian, you uh, if, if folks don't recognize your name from the website, that is A-OK. I didn't either at first. You write under it's Royal Treatment, isn't it? Royal Treatment. That's the name. All right. Sounds like a plan. Well, hey, Brian, um, we, we're we going to go ahead and get out of here. Do you have any final words of wisdom ahead of the work week? Um, get a job or you get summers off. That's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm jealous of you, man. I'm very, very jealous of you. Don't you worry about it. Jeremy, do you have a I mean, that's a tough act to follow. Do you have any uh, anything to add? Don't eat the yellow snow. Oh, we're going with that. I um, I don't think there's any any snow around to, to eat, Jeremy. Thankfully, don't eat the yellow snow cone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I I can't follow that up. I'm Jacob Melham. That's Jeremy Greco and Brian Henry joining us today for the end of the episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Please go check out RoyalsReview.com. Once again, you can find us on Twitter at Royal Rundown Pod. But until next time, thanks for your support and go Royals.